Well, welcome to the first week of our new series called Fear. Now, I'm not talking about fear of snakes. I'm not talking about fear of heights. And I'm definitely not talking about fear of Miley Cyrus, although that is a very real thing. No, I'm talking about our real fears. The ones deep inside us. I'm talking about our fear of rejection, our fear of failure, our fear of losing control. These are the ever-present monsters that lurk in the shadows of our lives. And they look over us, and we know they're there, right behind us, in every interaction, in every relationship. These are the ones, these are the ones that will drive us to say or do things that we regret the next morning. These are the ones that cause us to hurt people and push them away. These are the ones behind all of our addictions and excesses. These are the monsters, the fears that hide in the shadows of our lives. And over the next three weeks, we're going to allow the light of God into some of those shadows and give space for God to bring healing into some of our fears and help us through God's word to understand what it could look like to overcome our fears. So each week, we're going to start by reciting a verse together. Every week we're going to do this. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. And it's up on the screen. And we're going to recite that together. Let's make sure. There we go. There we go. So here we go. So all together now. For the spirit God gave us does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. How many of you would like more, or excuse me, less fear and more power in your lives? How about, how about less fear and more love? How about less fear and more self-discipline? Yeah, I think that's pretty much all of us. Well, if so, you're in the right place today. And come on back for the next couple weeks. So this week, we're going to start with a big one. The fear of rejection. Now, why start here? Well, it's something that I think a lot of us can relate to. And it's actually one of my biggest fears. See, I've experienced my fair share of rejection over the years. In elementary school, I was the big, slow kid that was an easy target for the bullies to pick on. In high school, I joined a sport with lots of hazing and, and lots of beatings. That was part of the sport culture in high school for me. And in college, I started dating Pemphoa, and her parents really did not like that. They did not want her dating me. And then later on in marriage, Pemphoa and I, we started attending Hmong churches, and where I was regularly the only white guy in the room. And although everyone was always welcoming, 
there were plenty of times where the tension was palpable. And then even now, even today, I'm a white guy pastoring a Hmong church. And around here, we do things a little differently than some other Hmong churches. And as a result, I and River Life, we have our haters out there. And so no matter how old I get or where I go, rejection seems to be one of those monsters that hides in the shadows for me. It's those eyes that look over, that I can never really quite shake that fear of rejection. Now, I know every Sunday I come up here and I preach and I talk in front of a whole room full of people and I seem really confident, but the truth is I'm actually really insecure. See, I've worked hard along this path to find some healing And thanks be to God, I have. But that monster of the fear of rejection is still there. And it comes out in different ways for me. I I fear people really don't like me. Um, I work really hard. I produce. I I work hard to produce because fundamentally... I hope that I can earn approval and and validate my own self-worth through my work. I take criticism really personally. I've been at this long enough and have been criticized hard enough that I've gotten a lot better at it. But still, I take it really personally. And I'm generous with my affirmation. Anyone who knows me, spends any time with me, I, I, I just pour affirmation into people because deep down that's what I really want for myself. So that fear of rejection is very real for me. This is no abstract thought. And I think it is for a lot of you too. I'm guessing it's very real for some of you. And that specter of a monster sits over your shoulder just like it does mine. So in case you're not sure, here's a little test for you. Here are some questions. Let me know if any of these resonate with you. You don't share your opinion for fear of being judged. You fear standing out, so you try to just blend in. You can't say no to people. Or you're extremely self-conscious around others. Or maybe you don't feel like you're equal to others. Everyone around you is better than you. Or you say or do things to be accepted by other people. Or you're really critical of yourself. You have a lot of negative self-talk. Or you have really low esteem. You have a very low view of yourself. So how'd you do on that? Any of those hit home? Even if you hit just a couple of these, you probably still did better than our twins at least. Ooh, oh, sorry, too soon, too soon. (laughs) So what do you do if some of those described you? 
What do you do? Well, thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say and offers a lot of hope for people stuck in a pattern of people-pleasing and rejection-fearing. See, Scripture clearly warns us about the danger of living by a fear of rejection. Proverbs 29.25 in the New Living Translation says this, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Or, to quote Star Wars, it's a trap! (laughs) Come on, it's not often I get to use an Admiral Akbar meme in church. But it's true. Fear of people is a trap. Take a look at the verse again. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. It's a snare that will get you every time. And I picture one of those like gnarly bear traps with the big clawed teeth and the little patch in the middle. And we just walk and unsuspected, we slam that thing and it latches onto you. The fear of rejection. And you're trapped. That's what the Bible says about it. But how do we stay safe? Trusting in the Lord. Now, the Bible talks about two really common rejection traps that happen. We see, psychology sees it and we see it in Scripture. See, these are two ways that we get ensnared by the trap of the fear of rejection. So the first one is this, being overly starved for acceptance. Being overly starved for acceptance. You're constantly wondering, what are people gonna think? You carefully craft your social media posts. Pick just the right picture out of the 200 you just took in front of that colorful wall. And you delete anything that could be unflattering. Or if you're single, you are desperate to date or get married because being alone is terrifying. Now, sometimes our desire for acceptance leads us to rather comical results. So when Pavon and I first moved out to the Twin Cities, we were a part of New Life in Christ Worship Center over in Brooklyn Park. And we were new to the church, and one of the elders invited us over to his house for dinner. I was really nervous. It was the first Hmong church we'd ever been a part of, and I was really nervous. I was like, okay, I want these people to like me. I already know I stand out. Okay, so we go, we, we, we go to dinner, we sit down, and, and they're very gracious. They did a whole spread, as you would expect, and, and one of the, the dishes on the, the table there is chicken feet. I'd never eaten chicken feet. And so, so the elder prays, and then and right then, the, his wife turns and says, so have you ever had, and I knew what she was going to ask, mid-sentence, she doesn't even finish, mid-sentence, I grab a chicken foot and just start chowing down on it. And immediately, there's this stunned silence. And then a couple seconds later, everyone bursts out laughing. And we had a great time there. But my desire for acceptance led me to do something really good and fun and step out of my my comfort zone. And we all got a big laugh out of it. But you know, most of the time, our, our desire for acceptance 
actually makes us very needy and very desperate. So desperate sometimes that we will do or say anything. We'll lie to others. We'll lie to ourselves. We'll go against our convictions and do things we know we shouldn't be doing, all for the acceptance of others because we deeply crave it. It happened in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, we see an amazing example of this. And if you're a part of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course that's going on right now, you heard about it last week. It's King Saul, Israel's first king. And there's, in part of his reign, early in his reign, he blatantly disobeyed God. No doubt about it. No right versus left arguing whether what happened. No, he said, she said, no. He blatantly disobeyed God. And here's, here's kind of what happened. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the prophet Samuel, he, he approached King Saul. He found him. King Saul had, had wandered off a little bit. Um, the prophet Samuel approached him and said, uh, hello, and then King Saul, and I love King Saul's response. He goes, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Can't you just hear it? Are you kidding me? No, you did it. That's what I, like if I were saying, I'd be like, no, you shut up. Samuel was a bit more gracious than that. Not by much, though. See, see, King Saul had deluded himself into thinking He had followed God. He was so convinced, he convinced himself that he was on the right side of this. Well, Samuel pushed more, and he pushed a little harder. And finally, it broke through King Saul's armor, so to speak. Here's here's finally what King Saul said. I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions... I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. The most powerful person in Israel was afraid of the infantry. What would make a person do that? Fear of rejection. He had no need to do that. But he so wanted to be liked. He so wanted to be praised as king. He disobeyed God. And first denied it and then blamed others for it. And that's what happens when we get caught in the trap of the fear of rejection. So that's the first rejection trap. Now the second one is actually the opposite being overly cautious around others, being overly cautious. Now, this could mean you second-guess every decision. Maybe it means you fiercely protect your reputation and don't do anything that could risk it. Or you don't let others get close to you. You keep people at a distance. Or maybe it's you don't confront anyone because you want the harmony You value harmony. Or maybe it's you don't let people see your weaknesses. Now, the truth is, I don't do this one as much as the first one. 
but I used to. You see, up until I was about 30 years old, I, I had shut off my heart. I lived entirely in my head. I praised logic over emotions. Logic was superior and emotions were inferior. I paid attention to my thoughts and largely ignored my interior life. In fact, I didn't even have language to describe my interior life. See, as a child, I'd experienced so much hurt, I just shut it all off. And I didn't want to feel anymore. Because our intellect is reliable and it's not painful. It's our heart and our emotions that are painful, and I didn't want that anymore. Now, it took being married to an emotional person and the eventual death of my mom about 10 years ago. Those two things finally started me down a different path to understand that I couldn't just shut myself off, a whole part of myself. And I began to learn how to break that pattern of shutting myself off and emotionally withdrawing from others and even myself. See, I was pretty good at being cautious, but the religious leaders of Jesus' time, they were excellent at it. They had their doctorates in being cautious around others. So these were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were so afraid of what people thought that they carefully controlled their public image. They carefully controlled what people saw. And they didn't even have social media. But they crafted this public persona so carefully. See, the Pharisees were generally against Jesus. But there were a few of them across Jesus' life that believed in him. But there's this amazing line that's amazing and tragic that we hear about the Pharisees. Here's how the Gospel of John puts it. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, the Pharisees, believed in him, Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. How tragic. To see Jesus as Messiah, Son of God. To see it, to know he's our Savior. And to stay silent out of fear because they loved the praise of people more than the praise of God. Man. It's a good thing we would never do that. It's a good thing we could never be like the Pharisees like that. We would never hide our faith out of fear of what people might think of us. We would never love human praise more than praise from God. Of course we would. We do that all the time. All of us do to one extent or another. We love human praise because it's tangible, 
We get that little endorphin hit right away. And we forget that there is a God in heaven whom she, we should be pleasing. Why? Because we have a deep fear of rejection. And we fear the rejection of people more than the rejection of God. Fear of people is a trap. It is an absolute trap. And if you're not careful, you will get caught every time. We become overly starved for affirmation or overly cautious or worse, both. All because of a deep fear of rejection. So how do you overcome this? How do you get past this? How do you make your 10-foot monster down into an 8-foot monster, into a 6-foot monster? What do you do? How do you conquer a monster this big and this ever-present in the shadows of our life? Well, the answer is simple yet profound. You could begin it today and spend the rest of your life figuring it out. It's this. Make pleasing God a priority. Make pleasing God a priority. More than anything else, let your heart beat with a desire to please God. Jesus said it best. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. See, we love quoting that verse. But we hate living it out. We love telling other people they should do it. But when push comes to shove for us, we hate doing it ourselves Because it's hard. And it causes us to make sacrifices. It might even cause us to be criticized. Is pleasing God truly a priority for you? Really? What would it look like? What would it look like if it were? Well, I'll give you a place to start. Begin by reflecting on your choices in light of not your desires or your plans or your culture or your family or your marriage or your kids. Reflect on your choices on God's character, his kingdom, and his will. For instance, what does God think about the TV shows I watch? What does God think about my sense of humor? What does God think about the way I talk to my spouse or my kids? What does God think about my social life? What I do on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays? What does God think about my health? All of those questions challenge us to think about pleasing God over pleasing blank. Our families our spouses, our kids, our deep needs from childhood, our brokenness, our woundiness, our fears, 
All of these start challenging those. And let's be honest, I think we all need to be challenged in those areas. Now you start with that. Reflect. Just, just start asking your, that question of how does God feel about blank? Okay? Now that's your 101 class. Now we go to the 201 class. This is the advanced level. This is the next step. This is where you actually choose pleasing God over pleasing people, like your parents, your friends, your coworkers. Now, that sounds good. That's kind of what you would expect from a pastor in an application part of a sermon. So well, why is that the advanced level? Here's why. Because this type of decision will cost you. This will have a social and relational cost to you. Your parents may lecture you and call you a bad son or a bad daughter because you chose something to please God over pleasing your family. Your friends may criticize you. They may even reject you because you chose to please God over pleasing your friends. Your coworkers may make fun of you or even talk about you behind your back, all because you chose to please God over pleasing your coworkers. But remember, if you make pleasing God a priority, others may turn on you but God will turn toward you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And is that more important than your family, your friends, your coworkers turning on you? So if this sermon is sort of resonating with you and God's hitting you with some things in your life, I want to close by helping you reframe your fear of rejection. Okay? I, want you, I want to help you change the question. See, if this is you, the questions that haunt you, the real questions, are not, what am I afraid of? There's actually bigger questions, deeper questions, scarier questions. Do you love me? Am I lovable? Do you accept me? Am I even acceptable? Am I good enough? I know these questions because I live these questions. And these are the questions that haunt me. These are the real monsters that hide in our shadows. Do you love me? Do you accept me? Am I good enough? And I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to tell me, that in Christ, the answer is yes. That in Christ, God loves you unconditionally. In Christ, God loves me 
unconditionally. In Christ, God accepts you just the way you are. In Christ, God accepts me with all my laziness and faults and failures. And in Christ, yes, you are good enough for Christ to die for. You are good enough for Christ to die for. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love and God's forgiveness. You are good enough for Christ to die for. So don't ever let that fear of rejection take away those truths. Don't let the monsters rob you of the deep truths in your life that God loves you. God accepts you, and you are good enough for Jesus Christ to die for. Join me in prayer. God, thank you that you love us. God, thank you that you love me. Lord, you love us not for anything that we do, but exactly for who we are. We are your beloved creation. We are image bearers of you. And you love us beyond reason. You love us beyond imagination. You love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we could have a relationship with you here today and for eternity. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray against every spirit that hides in the shadows of our lives, that is out to destroy us. And today I name the spirits of, the, of fear. the fear of rejection. I pray against that. I pray against that in my own life, and I pray against that in the lives of every person here by the name and the power of Jesus Christ. I pray to cast out that spirit from our lives. Spirit, you are against God in the name of Jesus Christ. I drive you out. I send you to the pit for God to deal with you. God, I pray we be a church where, where the spirit of fear has no place, has no foothold, has no control. And I pray freedom today in Christ for all of us. That we can live that abundant life that you promise. So thank you, God. Thank you for your love and thank you for your son. And in his name I pray, amen.